and welcome to Drawing and Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. We are cartoonists, scholars, and educators. On Drawing and Dialogue, we put comics into historical, theoretical, and educational contexts. I work with K-12 students in schools in addition to alternative educational settings. I have three graphic novels out in addition to self-published works. I have a master's degree in art education. And I'm a PhD student in the University of Florida's English program. Uh, I also have a master's in English from UF. Uh, My research focuses on trans embodiment and experience in comics and zines and museum studies. I also make self-published comics, mostly. Awesome! I just realized I need to plug in my laptop, so I'm doing that. Oh, no. Because my laptop is going to die. All right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, So, uh, it is my turn, me, Kathy, to uh, run a episode. And here we are, episode 41. And this one's going to be titled Graphic Novels of the Year. So you're probably saying, uh, Kathy, 2021 ended... A while ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was uh, recently, just a day or two ago, the LA Times Book Prize announcement um, uh, for the winners of the LA Times Book Prize. And um, I was a judge on one of the categories. Mm. Um, so I figured this would be a great time. I had to wait until the annou- uh, winner was announced um, before I could start talking about the graphic novels that I read, but I really wanted to do a podcast, a drawing and dialogue episode, um, just about the graphic novels that came yeah. out in 2021. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, so for the past two years, actually, for 2020 and 2021, I was a judge for the LA Times Book Prize in the graphic novel slash comics category. Um, I have been also uh, serving with a lot, uh, two other judges. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's three of us for each year. Um, For some podcast episode in the future, not this one, uh, we can go into more depth about what awards function as in an industry. Um, You've been a judge too, right, Remus? Yeah, so for the past three years, I've been a judge for the PRISM uh, Awards. Um, I, 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 I primarily have done the, like, short... Store like the sh- short, uh, wow, I'm forgetting the word, but like you know what I mean, like small zines, yeah, basically zines. They use they have a different word for it, um, that category, but I've also done anthology, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so like we've both served as judges on the on awards, um, but for now, I'm setting aside like the function of what awards are. Um, just in favor to just talk about comics. It's been a while since we've sat down on drawing a dialogue and just talked about comics. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we love comics. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. Um, I want to talk about the five finalists for the award um, and the winner out of that group um, that was just announced at a ceremony that I was invited to attend, but I didn't because of the pandemic. Um, and sure. that's okay. Um, I, uh, also wanted to talk about a few other comics that didn't make the list, uh, that I like that also came out in 2021. Um, so also I want to be more specific. Uh, these are graphic novels that were published in a physical form. So that's sort of the barriers of this award. Mm -hmm. Um, this award doesn't take into account web comics or self-published works or anything that's like doesn't have a spine, I would say. I would say you would need a spine in order to be counted as a graphic novel gotcha. in this 
in the conceit of this award. Um, they needed to be from a publisher in order to get nominated in the first place. Um, and I'm actually in the camp that graphic novel is a useful term to refer to some comics. I know it's sort of controversial, um, the term graphic novel, um, but I just don't think it's actually pretentious to denote that a comic work is of a novel length. I, don't, I think it's helpful. Um, I like novels. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I just, I just think it's useful. Yeah, you know? I think it's, I think it's, I think uh, it is useful. Also, I think a lot of the like controversy comes from like it gets applied to like everything right and and when Uh, the controversy is a confusion around the term right you know because some things that are called graphic novels aren't fiction and then you know people try to use it instead of like just saying comic when they're like talking about like self-published stuff or zines or whatever um and there is like in the study side of things, there is a bit more, like, people place a lot of, like, literary merit on the idea of stuff that's graphic novels, and they, which, which like, makes stuff that's not graphic novel like, basically, there's sort of, like, a value system, right, where, like, graphic novel becomes, like, more legitimate, but, like, that doesn't mean that, like, some comics aren't, like, some comics are book length and have a spine, and some comics yeah. aren't, and that's okay, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that would be I mean, that's why Will Eisner invented the term graphic novel was to try to add a little bit of weight to what he did, which is fair to me. Um, But I think it's just like a film, like you can say that's usually around 90 minutes, two hours, and then there's short films. I don't know. I just think it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um. All right. Okay. So, um, let's get into the context. Yeah. The content here. Um, so, uh, I also judged, um, along with, uh, Sloane Leong, uh, and Joel Christian Gill, um, this year, the 2021 awards. Great combo. Um, Oh yeah. I, I, uh, got to choose who I wanted to. Oh, that's so cool. Because the in 2020, I served with uh, Angie Wang and Charles. Can't remember his last name, um, but both of them. So this award, uh, you are usually allowed like two years, one, two, three years to uh, serve as judge. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, and then I uh, I was invited back for this year for for three years, uh, for a third year. Um, but I said no because. Um, it is a lot of reading. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, some of these are really big books. Um, so, but let's get into the first one. The first one for the, so these are the five books that we as judges chose as nominees for uh, the book prize. And the first one was Heaven No Hell from Michael DeForge, published by Drawn and Quarterly. Again, these are all going to be published in 2021. Right. Um, so the way I'm going to talk about these books is I'm going to read the back of the book because I, uh, why, why write my own summary when there's a summary already written? (laughs) And then, and then I have like just a little paragraph about my thoughts on the work itself. So heaven, no hell. Michael DeForge's ability to dig into a subject and break it down with beautiful drawings and sharp writing makes him one of the finest short story writers of the past decade in comics and beyond. 
Heaven No Hell is always funny, sometimes sad, and continuously innovative in its deconstruction of society. Each of these stories shows the inner turmoil of an ordinary person coming to grips with a world vastly different than what their initial perception of it. The humor is searing and the emotional weight lingers long after the story ends. So Heaven No Hell is a collection of short comic stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael is genuinely a master of comics. Have you read any of Michael's work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he is extremely innovative and colorful and surprising. Um, his comics are always incredible. Um, he will build a weird um, new... Sorry. I just want to make sure I was still recording for a second there. Okay. Um he will build a weird new world with strange people trying to navigate it solemnly. Um, I'd consider his work generally science fiction in a sense. Um, his yeah, comics I do what so. I always, yeah, what I always want art to be doing, which is showing me something I've never seen before and couldn't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. To me, that is like a, a wonderful thing that art is able to give the world. Um, and I'd ra- and rather than just like an image, like a lot of other art forms, it continues and meanders and explores these new worlds. Um, this book is just really wonderful, and I recommend it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, we talked a little bit before uh, we started recording, and uh, Remus isn't familiar. Well, you familiar, I guess, isn't the right word. You just haven't read a lot of these because they just came out. So yeah, twenty. I am behind on reading like new comics releases, especially last year. Last year was not like a good year for having time to read. Um, yeah. So you were doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it's gonna be a lot of me talking, but Remus, please uh, feel free to jump in. <laughs> um, and this next one is uh. Shadow Life. Um, it's by Hiromi Goto, illustrated by Anne Shu. It is from First Second. Um, and I'm going to read the little blurb here. Uh, when Kumiko's, I'm sorry, when Kumiko's well-meaning daughter, adult daughters, place her in an assisted living home, the 76-year-old widow uh, gives it a try, but she's not. This is like. <laughs> very dark text on a very dark background. Oh, it's no. like very hard for me to read. All right, um, I'm going to do it all over again. When Kumiko's well-meaning adult daughters placed her in an assisted living home, the 76-year-old widow gives it a try, but it's not where she finds where she wants to be. She goes on the lam and finds a cozy bachelor pad, keeping the location secret, even when communicating online with her eldest daughter. Kumiko reveals in the small daily pl- revels in the small daily pleasures, de- decorating as she as she pleases, eating what she wants, and swimming in the community pool. But something has followed her from her former residence, Death's Shadow. Kumiko's sweet life is shattered when Death's Shadow swoops in to collect her. With her quick mind, sense of humor, and help from her friends, old and new. Kumiko is prepared to fight for the for her life. But how can an old woman thwart fate? Um, and this is just, what a great novel. <laughs> um, I really uh, enjoyed the length of this book. It's like 350 pages. Mm-hmm. It's all black and white. Drawings are clean and clear and eventful. 
Um, it told its story very thoughtfully and well. Um, while judging, we liked that the story centered on an elderly protagonist mm-hmm. and told a story that we don't often see in comics, one about aging and that last stage of life. Um, another book on this list, uh, The Waiting, which I'm going to talk about soon, um, also has an elderly protagonist. However, in that one, the, she sort of flashbacks to an earlier part of her life. Mm. In this one, the majority of the action takes place in the present day for the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, it also marries fantasy elements with slice of life. Um, so it's a bit of an urban fantasy, um, which the next book on the list is also kind of an urban nice. fantasy. Yeah. And this is one that you have, right, Remus? Yeah, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but I like I really love Anne's work, so I so I have a mm-hmm. copy for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say it's one of the thickest books. Yeah. I, it it is the thickest book on this list. Mm-hmm. Um uh I, and I really like I like it when a graphic novel is like really something that you can spend a lot of time with. Yeah. Um a lot of comic books uh kind of go quickly, um which is just the nature of the art form and I you can always revisit it and come back to it um but you know I don't use a bookmark often <laughs> normally I finish a graphic novel in one sitting right yeah you sort of just sit down and you're done <laughs> yeah so it's uh, it's always a little bit notable to me uh when a book I sit I I spend time with it and I visit it again and again um all right moving right along Um, the third book that was a nominee for the book prize was, uh, Stone Fruit, uh, by Lee Lai, uh, from Fantagraphics. Um, and the back of the book reads, um, a debut graphic novel that paints a compassionate and unflinching portrait of the love shared among three women and the child they all adore. At turns tender and exhilarating, Braun and Ray's love for each other and the delight they take in their role as the fun weirdo aunties to Ray's niece Nessie is an oasis from their fraught family ties. But when that their comfortable couplehood bursts, they must learn how to face the real world without their most intimate life partner. Amid the emotional fallout, each finds an opportunity to rekindle lapsed connections with their siblings and grapple with their personal identity. Rendered with a rare sensitivity and grace by debut cartoonist Lee Lai, Stone Fruit reveals how painful it can be to open up to your loved ones and how fulfilling it is to be finally understood for who you are. Um, And this is a book about connections and the messiness that the queer and transgender experience can create with family. Um, It's a book about a breakup and then navigation of that breakup with the family you are having a harder time connecting with. Um, Ultimately, what jumped out to me is the main character's relationship with that niece, just like the back of the book said, um, that sort of that new normal that children can bring to people the fresh experiences they can have without the past complicating those relationships. Um, It's kind of a sad book, um, but with the child there, there are these urban fantasy euphoric moments uh, where they turn into creatures that seem to symbolize freedom from their human lives. Um, This book has really um, been talked about a lot this year, and if you read it, uh, it's easy to see why. Um... Yeah, 
Yeah. That was stone fruit. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I figured this would be uh, me talking about a lot of books. Uh, mm-hmm. See, if uh, me and Remus still lived in the same city, I would have shared all these books with them. But we live so far away from each other now. So. <laughs> But it's, I like I like just hearing. I'm like making a list. You know what I mean? Yay! <laughs> I love it. I have I have to deal with so many stacks of book while I'm recording. I'm like trying to figure out where to set this one. <laughs> so I move on to the next one. All right, and then um, here is uh, the waiting, which is by uh, Kim Suk uh, Kendry Kim, um, translated by Janet Hong. Um, the story began with a mother's confession, sisters permanently separated by a border during the Korean War. It's not an uncommon story. The peninsula was split down the 38th parallel, dividing one country into two. As many fled violence from the north, not everyone was able to make it south. In The Waiting, Kim Suk Kendry Kim's family history inspired her to begin interviewing folks separated by the war, which forms the basis of this remarkable graphic novel. Um, it goes on a little bit to talk about Grass, which is one of her first books, and it was also um, a nominee for the LA Times Book Prize. Um, so this is the second nomination that this author has gotten. Awesome. Um, and so uh, there's a trend that I've seen in graphic novel publishing, one that I theorize is pushed by the education market, mm. um, is that gra- like graphic history books. Um, basically, comics that visualize history, and if I was being cynical, attempts to make history a more fun and palatable topic for students. Um, but these books I often find severely lacking as a scholar myself. It's a tall order to ask a cartoonist to draw and write a book, let alone also be an effective researcher, bringing new information to a subject. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I find these books to be regurgitating Wikipedia-level facts with drawings. Um, I get worried about the quality of the information. Yeah, this is actually a really interesting... I know you're going to go into saying how good the waiting is in comparison, Mm -hmm. but I just want to quickly tag, like, I had a colleague at UF who actually, like, her research was on these sort of, like, educational history books. Um, And it is really... they're, They're sort of fascinating because they're definitely... It definitely feels... Not all of them, obviously, but... There's a, there is sort of a, as they become more and more like popular, there is sort of a sense that it's like, oh, this is like a, you know, the line about how like comics are easier to read. So they're like more accessible than just like prose. Mm-hmm. So it definitely, I think, feels in that like, in that idea of like, oh, this will make it more palatable. But then you, because you're also one, the people writing them, you know, like you said, it's really hard to do that amount of research, right? And especially if mm-hmm. we're talking about, like, the graphic novel pipeline where you often don't have a lot of time. Um, but also, like, who gets – there's, like, a lot of, like – I think it, this would be really interesting for an episode later maybe because I I think it's interesting to think about, like, the authors for these books and then, like, who actually gets depicted and what, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, who's drawn, mm-hmm. how they're placed – what is happening to the flattening of them? Right, to make it more, uh, like, interesting for little kids. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to. I have I have a little bit of class, so I'm not going to get into books that I read <laughs> um, that uh, I feel like didn't accomplish uh, the telling of history uh, very well. Sure, and sure. if anything, I, I almost sometimes some of them are damaging, just like the way that oh, they yeah. flatten or simplify people um, oh, and yeah. moments in history. Um, I mean, the same but, as like uh, any a- adaptation of history, right? The difference is that yeah. these are marketed directly to teachers, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so all of that being said, this book, The Waiting, does not do this. Um, this book is about the pain and devastation of family separation when North Korea and South Korea became separate countries. Um, it's mm-hmm. a fictional book, which I think is interesting, based off of research and interviews that the author conducted. Um, okay. And because it's quote-unquote fictional, eh, um, it's able to tell a truer and more devastating story. Um, it brings new information and insight into a historical event, insight that a cartoonist is able to create through text and images, and a whole greater than the sum of its parts, which I think is ultimately what a comic book, at its greatest, it's able to marry text and image into something even bigger. Um, right. I really recommend this book. I'd say it was my favorite out of all the books of 2021. Um, but since I am only one judge out of three, it didn't win the award. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, But I really recommend it. I think it's really, really fantastic. Um, nice. And... Um, and like I, I just think it's really interesting. I just really hope to see more books like it. Um, and the final finalist, uh, final nominee, and the winner of the LA Times Book Prize in 2021 in, in the graphic novel slash comics category was No One Else by R. Kikuo Johnson from Fantagraphics. Yay! Nice! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm going to read the back of this book. Um, Charlene is a single mom and full-time nurse who also cares for her elderly father. She was already struggling to hold everything together when tragedy strikes and her nonconformist brother returns home unexpectedly, piling chaos on top of grief. A tight wire act of functioning dysfunction teeters on the brink in this funny and bittersweet work from the graphic fiction of the New Yorker cartoonist R. Kukuo Johnson, who also did Night Fisher, a gorgeously set in and around the sugarcane fields of the author's hometown on Maui. Um, so this book is precise. It is a cutting, cutting precision to... There, sorry, there is a cutting precision to Johnson's cartooning that is extremely admirable and uses the comic book medium with a spare clarity you can't find in, like, any other art form. Ooh. Um, while at the same time, it tells a large story where every character in this family has hopes, dreams, stumbling blocks, and many sorrows. Nothing is misplaced. It's a fantastic and emotional story, one is that, that is both extremely tied to its setting on Hawaii, while also universal. Um, while we deliberated as judges, it was very clear early on that this one was the winner. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like, it's beautiful, it's short, 
It's it does everything that a comic book. It says so much in a few panels, mm-hmm. and it is just such an expansive and beautiful book, and doesn't necessarily lean on a lot of dialogue or text to tell its do its storytelling. It has a lot of imagery that's telling with. Um, it's really, really a fantastic book. And I actually have a second, they actually accidentally sent me two copies, if you want me to just mail you one. Oh, I would not say no, I'm looking at the preview on Fanagraphics, and this is stunning. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is a beautiful book. Everyone should buy it. It is a masterpiece. It really is. Awesome. Um, and I also know that, uh, Kukuo is a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I interviewed he's a he teaches comic books at RISD here in Providence. Um just like for like a month or two out of the year. Okay. But normally he's a New York guy. Um but I interviewed him for my thesis. Like I didn't he didn't know me at all, but I he gave me this very sweet phone interview and he was just really generous. Aww. Um He's a generous person, and I, I there's a lot of cartoonists. In fact, a cartoonist that we're about to talk about who took his class and, oh, and really cool. like him. So. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not saying you need to be a nice guy to win awards, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and those are your LA Times Book Prize finalists and the winner in 2021. Woo! Yay! So, as promised at the beginning, I wanted to shout out a few more books from 2021 that didn't make the list. Um, I said I wouldn't go into awards for this episode, but it is important to point out that the five finalists were all chosen by the three of us as judges. Um, So, while I really loved them all, they aren't necessarily my personal top five, um, as they were chosen together. And I think that's important. That's what judges are for. Um, So, I wanted to highlight a few more that didn't make the cut that I also loved and now i have to find them in this where did they go oh no oh okay here they are um so the first thing that i wanted to do is start with some kids books that i liked uh from 2021 um for awards like this you don't often see kids book on kids books on the list um i personally think it's just because Judges are just adults, and that we just aren't in the target audience for these books. And that's okay. Um, It's good to make books for different audiences. We need them. Um, And it also just doesn't mean that books for kids are any less nuanced or thoughtful and important and artistic. I just feel like they just just don't make these lists. Um, But there are other awards that are for kids' books. Yeah, Uh, yeah. There's sort of different, like, categories for this sort of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, these I'm not going to read the back of. I'm just going to jump into them very quickly. Um, so this first one is A-OK by Jared Green. Um, this book really navigates a lot of things that kids go through, and I really appreciated that. Um, many kids' graphic novels I f- read are overly simplified, um, and this one really tells a lot in its story. It uses its page and panel count to be really expansive. Um, and expansive is a funny word to use here because it's just a school slice of life book, really. Um, But middle schoolers are, like, so expansive in their life experiences, and it's really nice to see that laid out so well in a story. Um, And maybe it is helpful to read the back of these a little bit. 
Um, so this is like about eighth grade and it's about acne and it's about being self-conscious. Um, and, but then it becomes about friendships and cha changing friendships and basically what happens in that sort of eighth grade year. Um, and I thought this was really, um, a fantastic middle school book. I was really, um, impressed by it. Yeah. Um, and this next one is one we all know and love. And that is Artie and the Wolf Moon by Olivia Stevens. And Olivia's the one who uh, took the class with uh, Kukuo. Um, so I'm going to read the book of the back of this one, because I do think that makes the most sense. Um, After sneaking out against her mother's wishes, Artie Irvin spots a massive wolf in the nearby woods. Then she sees it shift into her mom. Thrilled to find she becomes from a line of werewolves, Artie asks her mom to share everything, including the story of Artie's father. To help Artie figure out her wolf-like abilities, her mom recruits some old family friends. Artie thrives in her new community, even if she can't shift at will yet. But as she learns more about werewolves and her parents' past, she discovers that wolves aren't the scariest things in the woods. Vampires mm -hmm. are. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a really fun book. Um, it's another slice of life mingled with fantasy. Art in the Wolf Moon is a really fun book, ultimately about family. It's an intergenerational story about community, love and support, um, while also having a lot of really fun action and moments of self-discovery. And I would say that intergenerational quality um, is a rare thing to see. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's obviously uh, protag uh, child protagonists have parents, but to give the parents this much time mm -hmm. and attention and detail and having that family and community bond be such an important aspect of it, it really makes it stand out. Um, and it's just a really fun book. Yeah. I actually, I haven't finished it, but I have, I did start reading this one um, and it is so beautiful. <laughs> I'm excited to actually finish it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I um, Olivia um, is a wonderful artist. Yeah, as well as a writer. Olivia yeah. rules. Olivia rules. <laughs> um, and then I got two more in these kids section. Uh, the next one is the Accursed Vampire by Madeline McGrain, um, mm -hmm. which is about a fan vampire kid and how it's hard to fit in when you're a vampire kid. Um, he was cursed by a witch. Uh, what else? It's just, like, a really fun and silly book. Um, it's another book with vampires. Um, this one is much more fantasy. It's really funny. Um, it's a wonder- it has a wonderful sense of humor. Maddie, uh, Maddie's sense of humor is really awesome. Um, it's and so humor good. really- Uh, do you have- do you want- say something? You're so excited. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just really, I got, we got, I got to see, um, like, snippets of this as Madeline was working on it, and it's just, like, so funny. It's true, and, like, I went to, like, a reading when it first came out, and, like, she read some of it, and it's true, it's really just, like, her sense of humor is so next level. It's so good. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud way more than one time. Like, I was constantly laughing out loud when I was reading this one. And I feel like there's yeah. not that many, like, straight comedy graphic novels especially for kids and then especially that are about vampires so like <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it, it really it really does a lot of stuff. I, I would say it's actually um you can get French comics. There's like sort of mm. more of a history with like kids French comics that are like Yeah, for sure. Joking. Um but I'd say it's pretty it's new for uh uh American comics. Yeah. Um and then the last one in this uh little kids graphic novel section is Piece by Piece The Story of Nisrin's Hijab by Priya Hook um, Nisrin is a Bangladeshi American girl living in Milwaukee Oregon in 2002 near the end of 8th grade she is the victim of a hate crime for wearing a headscarf while in Bangladeshi cultural dress for a school project Deeply traumatized by the experience, Nisrin spends the, re- the summer depressed and isolated. Other than weekly therapy, Nisrin doesn't leave the house until fall arrives and it's time for her to begin freshman year at a new school. The night before classes starts, Nisrin tells her family she's going to wear a hijab to school, much to their dismay. Her mother and grandparents' shock and angry reactions confuse her, but they only strengthen her resolve. This choice puts Nisrin on a path to discover more about Islam, her family's complicated relationship with it, and the reasons they left Bangladesh in the first place. On top of everything else, she's struggling to fit in at school. Her hijab makes her a target for students and faculty alike. But with her help from friends old and new, Nisrin is starting to figure out what really makes her happy. Piece by Piece is an original graphic novel about growing up and choosing your own path, even if it leads you to a dif- different place than you expected. Um, this is a really wonderful book, uh, tackling some very difficult subjects in a beautiful way, um, especially for children. Um, the relationships with her family and friends are very complex and moving, and this book really accomplishes a lot with really beautiful artwork. Um, I really recommend this book. Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing those. Yeah. And now I have three more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And finally, there's three more adult books. Um, And actually, these uh, first two um, uh, tackle that complicated history graphic novel category we talked about earlier in a unique and effective way. Um, This first one is Harriet Tubman, Toward Freedom, by Whit Taylor and Casimir Lee. This is a wonderful graphic novel about parts of Harriet Tubman's life, really just a tremendous figure who you could make books about forever. Um, This is a very effective way of telling her part of her story. Um, The images are very beautiful and integrated well into the information of the book, um, which is ultimately, I think, something that uh, a lot of history history graphic novels are lacking, where it feels like it's very uh, uh, text-based, uh, there's a lot of dialogue, or there's a lot of like narration. Um, in this one, it really shows you stuff that that, that comic books can achieve, um, where it shows you uh, events in history and brings you into sort of that human element. Um, and it's honestly a very beautiful book. It's really well drawn um, and well written. Um, so if you're looking for more for history graphic novels that I think really accomplish something. Uh, really new and inspiring. This book does well it, and this other one does it as well. Um, so this is Wake 
The Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts by Rebecca Hall and Hugo Martinez. Um, this is an incredible book, uh, using the graphic novel medium to effectively share powerful archival research. Um, there's a Ooh. density to the research that the cartooning is able to communicate, not in an oversimplifying way, but in a way that shows and tells very evocatively. Um, the stories are really powerful, but historical accounts are conflicting and can be sparse, especially when you're talking about this period of history and these events sure. in history. Um, so the graphic novel medium adds depth and gravitas where words might be limiting. Um, it's a really powerful book and a wonderful one to add to your collection. I really recommend picking this one up. Um, and I wanted to read Ben Passmore's quote on the back. Um, we who live in the wake of centuries of white supremacy feel the hidden history of our ancestors' struggle to survive uncovered in this book. In its pages, we not only feel their sorrow in bondage, but also their elation when they finally broke free. Um, it's a really fantastic book. It's really, it's all about research. Um, Rebecca Hall um, is a PH, was a PhD student, mm -hmm. I believe, when she was researching this book. Um, and is a doctor now. Um, nice. She's a scholar in residence. Um, she's just like very much a scholar. Um, and it really comes through in this book. Um, and then the final book, um, is The Short While by Jeremy Cerise. Um, so this one isn't a history Ooh. book. This is a sci-fi, um, graphic novel. Um, and I'll read the book for you, back for you. Um, Love, Loss, Redemption. In a post-internet future filled with smart homes, government-sponsored communication systems, and emotionally intelligent robots, two men at a party accidentally swap jackets and are thrust into the most opportune meeting. Unexpectedly, they discover the love, companionship, honesty, and vulnerability they've both been missing. But with it comes a tragedy and great loss. The loss of self, freedom, and each other. Um, this is from acclaimed cartoonist Jeremy Cerise, who also did Curveball, um, presents mm -hmm. a tragic yet redemptive love story about two men whose chance encounter propels them on diverging journeys of self-discovery and teaches us about the trans transcendent grace of human connection. Um, and this is the only book I didn't get to... I ran out of time to blurb, so I didn't actually blurb this... <laughs> I didn't actually write anything to prepare myself for this one, but um, it sort of marries a text. So there's a text element um, along with uh, the comic story. Like there's prose mixed oh, okay. in with the graphic novel comic book pages. Um, so it is a graphic novel. It just uses um, sort of uh, paragraphs of text occasionally along with um, comics and illustration. Um, so that way it can accomplish a lot because sometimes it's really, uh, it uses, uh, text, um, to sort of expand upon things that don't, aren't, mm. just don't get drawn. Um, oh, that's so, so cool. It's a very... I've always, Go oh, for it. sorry, I was just going to say, I'm so like, I've always been so fascinated by the idea of mixing prose and comics because like, I, I personally feel like 
you can hide things in prose that you can't necessarily hide and yeah. hide in drawing. And sometimes you want to hide stuff a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, I love Jeremy's work, so I really want to read this, but also that just sounds really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. I mean, the other, it is a rarity. Um, Posey Simmons does it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it's a pretty rare, uh, thing, at least to get published. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like, what I love about it is it's science fiction. It is hardcore science fiction, um, which is so Hell nice yeah. to read. There's a lot of like science fi- I mean, to be honest, that's what superheroes are science fiction. Um, oh yeah. Sure. So I'm not saying there isn't science fiction, but this like high science fiction, um, is, uh, I was going to say high fantasy, but it's not high fantasy. It's, it's like, <laughs> dark. it's like deep science fiction. I can't remember the term for it but like um where it's like fully our world that's like built into a future that changes and like um it's really an incredible uh, book sure. um and part of why it didn't get a nomination i i put it on the list for to get nominated uh for my choices um and part of why is just i want more books like this i just want yeah more a really expansive science fiction that's like queer and like does mm-hmm. a lot and tells big stories. Um, I want it. I want it, Remus. <laughs> <laughs> I I want that too. Honestly, I love um sci- science I'm fiction, speculative fiction. Okay, well, okay. Last year, I didn't really read anything. If you'll recall, I know. I don't mean. I don't mean. <laughs> make it accusatory i just I, it's really i just it really is up your alley no it's that's all I meant. it is and i really jeremy sorisi is definitely one of my favorite cartoonists if not my favorite so um it yeah i i will probably pick it up very soon i just uh yeah i really have a, i really love um queer speculative fiction and like i feel absolutely like that's such a like expansive beautiful like vein to tap into <laughs> you know Absolutely. And also, I feel like this one is also dark. Ooh, that's exciting. So, like, it's not, like, utopic. Yeah. At all. At all. It's dystopic, for sure. Which I love. (laughs) I mean, I, like, so much of my dissertation is about utopia, and, like, I love utopia, but, like, uh, you don't always have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And those are all the books. Those are all the titles that I wanted to talk about today and bring to you. Nice. Um... Yeah, so uh, it is now time for our conclusion. What did we learn? What are our goals? What do we want our takeaways to be? I've, what do you think, Remus? I've learned that I have a bunch of books I need to read, um, <laughs> which I knew already, but that's fine. <laughs> but also, it's just nice to, like, I like when we do these episodes where we're just sort of like, here's a list of books that are really good. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I feel like it's nice to also get to just sort of like celebrate one, like, the diversity of stories that are being published. Oh, yeah. um, totally. Because I feel like it's really easy, at least for me, it's very easy to like be more aware of like the shortcomings of like graphic novel publishing, right? Like, even though I know there's mm-hmm. so much beautiful stuff getting made. Um, so it's nice to be like, oh, yeah, there's all this different stuff and that it is like being out, being made and is out there and that's cool. Um, it's very inspiring. Um, for me personally also uh so yeah i always i always love getting it's just like especially when you're just like here's a list of my recommendations basically yeah (laughs) 
Um, and yeah, and I, I think you touched upon something that's uh, really specific. It's just, it's funny. If you look at the rest of the LA Times book prize categories, it's like nonfiction, poetry, short story. But when you get to the graphic novel, it's just one, right? So the graphic novel comics category is just, it is all genre work, all nonfiction, all fiction, all short stories, all Right, <laughs> yeah, like people treat, I mean, that's sort of the issue. We, again, we're not really going into awards, but the issue with a non-comic specific, like when a comics is just a category in a broader award set, like comic, comic or graphic novel, those are mediums not genres so you you know like there's so much out there that's like if if we if you broke it down by genre you would have like so many more right like yeah and 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 i think and it it is really exciting just like you were saying it's just so exciting that there is a broad range um yeah i so when you are a judge of the other times book prize maybe you a listener will be a judge someday (laughs) um you choose the books that you ask to be uh, given to you to oh, read. Okay. Um, so I would go through a book list. So if you are curious about like where did you find out about these books, um, there's a there's a list of every book that's being published. Um, it's called book list. Um, and then uh, you, I just realized how generic the name book list, obviously it's a list of books. It's really funny. I didn't really need to explain that very much. But, I, <laughs> um, um, but it's a website and it's also a catalog that you can get. Um, and it's just like everything that's coming out. So they don't, you know, do people like, do publishers or p- artists submit nominations for this you one? You do? Oh, uh, it has to come through the publisher. Okay. It has to come so through the publisher. So artists can't submit. Yeah. But do they? But if you're just looking at the book list, does the publisher actively have to be like, "Hey, please look at this one," or do you all just go straight through that publishing list? So I ask the LA Times, the LA Times, to ask the publisher, and then okay. the publisher mails it to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So that's why it has to come through publishers, which I think is problematic. And sure. Absolutely. Um, cause there's so much work that's being done independently. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I believe like Silver Sprocket isn't on book list and mm. there's some small presses that aren't on book list. Right, right. Um, which they can be, you know, I, I just, I, cause I don't think the book list is necessarily, um, I mean, everything is, <laughs> everything is a barrier to entry, right? Right, so, yeah. Um, but I don't think, I think book list, uh. It does its best to try to list everything. Sure. Um, um, but yeah, so if you're like, how did you find out about these books? I actually am the one who was just like, hey, this title looks cool. This blurb looks cool. I want to read that. Give me that. Give me that. And I bet you could just do the same thing with your local library. Be like, this sounds cool. Can oh, yeah. you order this for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So if you're wondering how I got all these books, that's how. Um, yeah, um, so, uh, do you have any final little thoughts, Remus, before we end um, this? I don't think so. Guy? Yeah. Awesome. Um, this was not as long. This was as succinct. I was like, I hope I'm not talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, just so you know, we do, uh, accept letters if you want to write to us. You can write us at drawingadialogue at gmail.com. Um, 
do you have anything that you would want to include in the letters to the editor section, Remus? Any re- things you want to revisit from past episodes? Great question. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, feel free to write us. We would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. You can also tweet us. Mm-hmm. It's been a- at. Oh, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, it's been a while since we got a letter. Everyone is slacking. <laughs> we We rarely get letters, but... Um, <laughs> I do check the email, like, every day, to be honest, because it automatically comes through my... <laughs> like, it's not hard for me to check it. Sure. I'm checking it. Um, we get spam. We can start reading the uh, spam, I guess. Oh my gosh, Norton Antivirus really wants us to pay an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get this, too. <laughs> um, and I wanted to thank Downtown Boys for the use of their song, Wave of History, it's off their album, Full Communism. You can get it off their band camp. And I realized, Remus, that it was the word use that I was missing, that's missing from this uh, thing that we copied and pasted. That's oh, what we're thanking them for. Okay. Th- Downtown Boys for the use, use of, of the song. <laughs> well, it only took us, what, 40 episodes to figure that out? <laughs> no, I've been saying it. I just think when we copied over, when we made the new, I've been saying the use of <laughs> Pretty okay. sure. <laughs> um, but it's a great song and it's a great album. It is a you should go great get it. song. Yeah. It's a great song. Um uh hey, I've been talking a lot. Your turn. Alright, so um you can go over to drawingadialogue.com. We post citations for every episode. I imagine this episode will be less citations and more links to the books. Um Absolutely. And that'll be exciting. So go buy those books, go support those artists. Um, uh, Drawing a Dialogue is hosted by ComicArtEd.com, which is Kathy's extremely good uh, comic art education website, which I highly recommend. Um, I don't remember if, I think I cut you off before you could say this, but if, just in case, you can email us at drawingadialogue at gmail.com. Um, you can tweet us at drawadialogue, so minus the I-N-G. Um, you can email. And you know, if you have an idea of something you want us to talk about, let us know. Oh yeah, that'd be great. You know how hard it is to keep coming up with stuff? Yeah, <laughs> or if there's anything that you want us to revisit. Yeah. We, we've been doing these episodes for a few years now, and if there's a topic that you're like, hey, I wonder if there's updated research on that, let us know. Yeah, for sure. We can probably tweet that too, ask people for suggestions. Um. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Remus Maurice. That is R E M U S M A U R I C E. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy G John. That's C A T H Y G J O H N. So, so, oh, you go first. Oh, uh, what are you reading, Remus? So, I read My Broken Marico very recently. Um, oh right we were talking about it on the discord yeah which is by uh waka hirako um it's like a it's it's pretty um it's not super thick it's like a four chapter novel like graph comic manga um it's it's very it's so it's extremely beautiful and very um thoughtful i feel like uh it's about uh, uh, a a young a, a woman in her like early twenties who finds out her one of her close like her closest friend has committed suicide and that's sort of her like processing the grief and like 
going like thinking like working through that relationship and the sort of like unhealthiness of that relationship um Mm. and it's so it's very it's very heavy so i definitely recommend like minding the like content warnings and stuff if you want to read it but um it doesn't feel it didn't feel like cheap or like tragic you know what i mean like it felt very um clear very there's like a lot of clarity in the way that it like handled um the material that was you know very heavy material um Mm, and the cartooning is i mean like the art is beautiful (laughs) it's like really beautiful it was it it was i read it in like one sitting and i'm still like chewing on it um but it is really good awesome yeah so what are you reading kathy um i'm reading a few books i was like what's three more titles (laughs) Um, to add on to this episode of me telling you about all the things that I'm reading. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, Restart After Growing Hungry, which is the sequel to Restart After Coming Back Home. Um, they are, uh, boys love comics, I guess, but they're, like, adult men, so I don't know if you still consider that boys love. Um, (laughs) um, uh... They are just very sweet romances about these two men coming to uh, their relationship and coming together in their romance. Um, I really recommend them. I read a lot of boys love and sometimes you're just having a good time. And sometimes you're like, this is like a really incredible, like lovely uh, literary work. And I would (laughs) say this one is um, (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with just having a good time, but um, this one, Restart After Growing Hungry. I finished it, like, ten minutes before the episodes, before we started recording, so I was like, if I don't mention this one, I would be lying about what I'm currently reading. <laughs> um, so that's really lovely. The cartooning is lovely. I really recommend it. The next one I am reading is uh, the autobiography of Asa- Asada Shakur, who was a mm. Black Panther, who um, was a political prisoner, um, who got, uh, um, framed for the murder of a, uh, white state trooper in New Jersey. Um, and she is currently, um, uh, has political asylum in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, uh, her autobiography. Um, uh, I started reading it um, on the recommendation of Ross uh, Hernandez, mm-hmm. who was a guest um, from a few episodes ago. Um, and it's really uh, just like a really. Uh, she's just like, it's like a diary. She's just telling you about the stuff that happens, but it's really um, just like a police beating her up um, right. daily. Um, and it is. Um, it's a hard read, but it's really um, powerful um, to be reading these parts of history as, and these different figures in history. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really a Black Panther fan. Yeah. Um, and learning about Asada Shakur um, is great. Awesome. And then do you have one? Last I was going to say you have, I have one, one more. more. <laughs> I have one more. It's just funny because like I the reason I have so many is I always um, this is how I am. I have a genre book. I have a heavy book and then i have a comics that's what always in the rotation and oftentimes when i'm coming to the section of the podcast i just choose one because they honestly a book takes me longer than a month 
Um, sure. So this time I'm really outing myself. So hopefully I have something new for next month and I'm not just reading these books still. Um, but I probably will be. Um, but the last one is me and Ev, everyone else. Uh, I am obsessed with Our Flag Means Death, which is the uh, HBO Max uh, television show mm-hmm. about pirates. Um, and so I just was like, I just went to the bookstore and I was like, I just, I'm going to get a pirate book. I'm just going to get whatever book has pirates in it. (laughs) (laughs) So I started reading The Bone Ships by R.J. Barker. (laughs) And it's about, it's like a fantasy book. So there are pirate ships made out of dragon bones. (laughs) And the captain is called the ship wife because they're married to the ship. And all the ships have, like, male pronouns. Um, it's just, like, a fun fantasy world. Oh, <laughs> and I'm just having a great time. That's very cool. <laughs> is it cool? <laughs> it's Okay, I feel like everyone, a lot of people are very into the pirate show and going through a pirate phase. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah. it's cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just wanted to, like, I'm also listening to a pirate podcast called the pirate history podcast like that is its name and it's just like a very it's just like a history guy telling you about the history of pirates and i'm also having a really good time with that um i'm not gonna start dressing up as a pirate (laughs) (laughs) that's not gonna happen it's just fun to it's just fun it's fun it's nice to have a good time nice i'm having a good time and that's what i'm reading and uh Normally, this is where I would somehow segue into thanking Remus, and then I thank you. Did you have, have you guys ever noticed how smooth my segue is into it's, thanking you for listening? Yeah, it's really smooth. I would say oh, this is the smoothest so much, you've Remus. ever done it. Thank you, Remus, and thank you for listening yeah. to Drawing a Dialogue. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Kathy G. Johnson, and I'm Remus Jackson. Um, and solidarity forever. Bye.